You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Nehemiah 6, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, Now it came to pass when Sambalat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates. Verse number two, Then Sambalat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease? Will I leave it and come down to you? Verse number four, Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort. And I answered them after the same manner. Then sent Sambalot his servant unto me, in like manner the fifth time, with an open letter in his hand, wherein was written, It is reported among the heathen, and Gashmu saith it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king, according to these words. Amen. And let's pray. Lord, we do ask that you'd speak to our hearts in the few moments that we have left. I thank you for the wonderful singing. And Lord, my heart has been so stirred, and I've been so blessed, and I believe that Jesus Christ has already been uplifted and exalted, and we seek to do that in these last few moments as we look at the Word of God. I pray if there's anyone here today that uh, maybe they've got some burdens, they've got some struggles, I pray today they would find help. I pray for anyone that may be lost and without Christ, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Nehemiah chapter 6, I'll just cover the first few verses today and we'll pick up next week where we uh, leave off. I do want to say this, I have very much enjoyed the book of Nehemiah. It's been a blessing to me, it's been a help to me. Did you know that when you get busy doing something for God, and, and I say doing something for God, and I'm not talking about just being a pastor, I'm not talking about just being an evangelist. I'm not talking about just being a Christian school teacher or being a Sunday school teacher. But every one of you, if you're saved, you've got something that God has called you to do. And we are all in the work of God. So please don't feel like I'm talking about Nehemiah and I'm saying, you know, yeah, there's a few of you in here that can relate. We all can relate. And God's given us something to do. God's given us a job. And uh, if God did not have a job for us, he would have already called us home. He's left us here for a purpose. And we see in the book of Nehemiah, we see, and in this chapter, I want you to notice a few thoughts. Number one, we see the dedication of Nehemiah. You know, as we get to chapter six and we see that the wall is almost done. It says in the parentheses, it says that the doors of the gates had not been set up, but everything else had been done. And you know what that is a testimony to? That's a testimony to somebody that by God's grace and with God's help, Nehemiah, he just wouldn't quit. Remember when he got the news, we read it in chapter one, and they said, the city lieth in waste. Now, I believe Nehemiah had great faith in God, but don't you know, at times he would have felt like 
there is no way this is going to get done. Do you ever feel that way maybe with your home? You ever feel that way with your marriage or with your children? And maybe you just, you feel like there's so much against you. You look at the society today and you look at everything and all the influences and you say, this seems impossible. Well, I got news for you. With God, all things are possible. And I got news for you. If you quit now, yes, you won't accomplish anything. But if you'll keep on going for God, I want to tell you, you can build a wall. You can build a marriage. You can build a family. You can build a testimony. And we see that there was some dedication. I want you to notice number two in this passage. And this is what I want to draw your attention to. I see number two, there was a distraction. It says in verse number one that Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, uh, they were not happy that the work of God was going forward. It says in verse number two that they sent unto Nehemiah saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono, but they thought to do me mischief. Now, in this case, these were the enemies. It says in verse number one, Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, and the rest of our enemies. So these were enemies. These were people that were against Nehemiah. They were against the work of God. And you will have some of those in your life. There will be people that will try to stop you. There will be people that will try to discourage you. There will be people that will try to distract you. And they, they will do it for reasons uh, that they are against you. But I want to say also, as we get, dive into this this morning, I want to say this. Not all distractions are bad things. Did you know if Satan can't get you to go out and, 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 and lie and cheat and steal, Satan will try to get you to do good things in place of the best thing. How about this? Have you ever heard this before? You know, I wish I could go to church and I wish I could read my Bible and I wish I could pray and I wish I could serve God, but I can't do that because I'm doing something else and that something else may not be a bad thing. But can I tell you, anything that takes you away from doing what God's called you to do, that is a problem and that is a distraction. How about this? Say, well, I, I don't love my wife like I should. I don't love my children like I should because I'm just so busy trying to provide for them. I'm just so busy at work or I'm so busy with fill in the blank. And you say, well, I'm not out drinking and I'm not out uh, doing drugs and I'm not out stealing and I'm not out uh, 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 being a, uh, you know, a, a terrible, wicked person. Well, friend, good. I'm glad you're not doing those things. But you've got to keep your focus on that which is best and that which is pleasing to God. Don't get distracted. Nehemiah, he said in verse number three, he said, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? We see number one, we see the dedication. Number two, we see the distraction. Sanballat and Geshem and Tobiah, they tried to distract Nehemiah. Here's what they did. They said, Nehemiah, let's have a meeting. Let's have a discussion. Uh, let's have a chat. And by the way, the Bible tells us that they were trying to do him mischief. They were trying to do him harm. But it really sounded pretty innocent. 
As a matter of fact, they said, let's meet in the plain of Ono. The plain of Ono was about halfway between Samaria and Jerusalem. They said, Nehemiah, we'd like to talk to you about what you're doing. Uh, maybe, maybe they had some input. Maybe they had some advice. Maybe they had some pointers. They said, Nehemiah, we just want to talk to you. Sounded good. Sounded innocent. But notice what Nehemiah said. He said, guys, thanks, but no thanks. He said, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. You know what he said? He said, I don't have time. He said, I'm too busy doing what God's called me to do. And the work that God has called me to do is a great work. And he said, I don't have time to sit around and chit chat with you guys. He said, if I come down, he said, the work will stop and the work will cease. And God has called me to build the wall. God hasn't called me to sit around and chit chat with you guys. Now, I want to say this. First of all, Nehemiah could honestly say that he was doing a great work. Not because it was his work, but because it was God's work. And you here today, if you're doing something for God, if you're trying to build a marriage or build a family, if you're trying to be a witness, if you're trying to be a testimony and be a, an example, if you're trying to be a Sunday school teacher or a choir member or a bus worker or, or whatever it is that you're doing for God, if you're doing it for the Lord, I want to tell you, it is a great work. Don't let anybody ever tell you otherwise. Don't ever step down from the work of God to do anything else because everything else is a step down from what God has called you to do. But he said, I'm doing a great work. I wonder today if you could honestly say that you are involved and you are participating in a great work. I've known people throughout the years and Brother Johnson, I'm sure you have as well in your many years of ministry. People that, if they were honest, they'd have to say, I used to be involved in the work. I remember back in the day when I used to serve God. I remember back in the day when I used to uh, uh, teach and I used to serve and I used to knock on doors and I used to pray and I used to help and I used to be involved. But friend, I want to tell you, the work of God is not done. The work of God is not finished and God has given us a work. Don't be uh, someone who, who did it in the past, but you're not doing it now. Let's all be involved in the work of God. Maybe you are here today and you've allowed someone or you've allowed something to distract you from the work of God. Can I tell you, today would be a good day to get re-enlisted in the Lord's work. Today would be a great day to say, I used to serve God. I'm not doing it now. But as I go out of here today, I am going to get back in the work that God has called me to do. Maybe your priorities have become misaligned. How many of you know that's easy to do? You have to constantly evaluate and reevaluate what is really important, what really matters. Because when you listen to the world, the world has the priorities all mixed up. It's all about you. You got to have me time, right? You got to take care of yourself. And I'm not saying that you need to, you know, uh, you know, kill yourself and, and not sleep and not eat. And not, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying this is your life and my life is not all about us. It's all about the Lord. That's why we're here. Brother uh, Johnson quoted the verse, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Your life is not your own. My life is not my own. We belong to God. And Nehemiah said, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. I see number one, the dedication. 
Number two, I see the distraction. And Satan will do everything he can to distract you from the work of God. Satan will do everything he can to make your life so busy and so crazy and so out of whack this week that you do not take the time to read your Bible. Satan's already, he's already planning your week. You better get your week planned because Satan's already planning it for you. He wants to keep you from the Bible. He wants to keep you from prayer. He wants to keep you from the church house. He wants to keep you from your family. He wants to keep you from serving God. We see number one, the dedication. Number two, the distraction. Number three, in this case, it was a deception. And we'll go on to look at this next week. Uh, but they were deceptive in their motives. These men wanted nothing but to destroy Nehemiah and destroy the people of God. But Nehemiah said, I can't come down. He said, this work is too important. And by the way, what you're doing for God, you're, what you're doing for God is not just for you, but it is for those around you. It is for generations to come. You know what Nehemiah was doing? He was building a wall that was not just going to protect him. But it was going to protect all the people of Israel. It was going to protect their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. And I want to tell you, the work of God that we are called to do is not just affecting us, but it is affecting souls of men and women and boys and girls. That's why missions is so important. That's why a bus ministry is so important. That's why a youth ministry is so important. That's why children's ministry is so important. Because we're not just doing it for ourselves. We're doing it for those that are coming behind us. We see the deception and Satan is walking about uh, seeking whom he may devour. Satan is the father of lies. He wants to lie to you. He wants to deceive you. He wants you to think that what you're doing for God does not matter. But friend, I'm here today to remind you that what you do for the Lord, it matters greatly. And it is of utmost importance. Number four, I see the determination. Four times, verse 4 says, that they sent to Nehemiah the same thing. Four times they said, come on and meet with us. Come on down. Let's meet in the plain of Ono. Let's have a meeting. Let's have a discussion. Four times. Nehemiah, all four times he gave the same answer. He said, not happening. I'm not coming down. Because the work I am doing is a great work and I cannot let this work stop. You know, you may fight against temptation and you may fight against the devil and you may get the victory. But can I tell you, Satan doesn't quit easily. Satan's coming back the next day. Satan will try to catch you at another time. He'll try to catch you. If he can't get you uh, while you're uh, 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 right before a great victory, he'll try to get you right after a great victory. He'll try to get you when you're in a time of depression. He'll try to get you in a time of sickness. He'll try to get you when it seems like people have turned on you. He'll try to get you when you're discouraged. But Satan is persistent. And I want to tell you, as God's people, we must be more persistent. We must be more determined. We must be more resolved. Say, well, pastor, how do we stay resolved? It's so hard because the flesh is weak. But can I tell you, our resolve and our determination is not in our own strength. It's not in ourselves. Paul said it like this to Timothy. He said, I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Paul said, my confidence is not in myself. My confidence is in the Lord. I like what it says in Philippians 
3.14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. How do we stay determined? How do we stay resolute? Hebrews 12 says, by looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I believe with all my heart, I believe that we are living in a generation of people that we are quitting way too early and way too fast. It used to be, I, I think, with our parents and, and grandparents' generation, and so I'm, I'm actually, I'm talking to some of you in here right now, parents and grandparents' generation. It used to be that people, they'd go through hard times, but you know what they'd do? They'd go through. They wouldn't quit. They'd stay after it. But now it seems like if there's a problem, we're so quick to quit. We're so quick to throw in the towel. I know I've told you the story. It's been a while, I'm sure. But when I was growing up, and I know we're on live stream, so I'll be careful what I say. I don't want to uh, bring back any reminders to my brother. Uh, but my brother, Joel, you know my brother, Joel. He's been here. He is four years younger than I am. And Joel, when we were growing up, he was pretty scrawny. I'm just going to be honest with you. He was scrawny. He was tough, but he was scrawny. And I used to beat him up. I mean, now, now, now hear me out. Hear me out. I never started it. But when he came and he wanted to pick a fight, I was glad to oblige. I mean, you know, it's the least I could do as a brother. You know, if you want to fight, well, I guess I'll be happy to. My biggest battle when we were growing up, my biggest battle was not beating up my brother. It was not doing it to a point that he would start crying and then go tell mom. I mean, that was, that was my balancing act. I had to find that happy medium. And so that's the way it was. I went off to college and while I was in college, uh, I don't even think he told me. I think it was my mom or dad. I was talking on the phone one day and they said, yeah, I said, Joel, um, he, he's, he played some sports, but they said, Joel started taking some classes, you know. I'm thinking like, what, cooking or, you know, what kind of classes, crochet? What are, what are we talking about here? And uh, it's like, no, um, taekwondo, martial arts with a little bit of uh, hop keto and some jujitsu thrown in there. And so I'm coming back from college, you know, and I'm coming back and all of a sudden it was a different fight. Now, I could still beat him that first year back from college, but it wasn't as easy as before. And um, then it got to a point, I think it was the next year when I came back from college, I made myself a promise. I'm not fighting him anymore. I'm going to go cry to mom if I have to, but I am not going to fight him anymore. He was, it was, it was incredible the things he could do. And if I could get in close and I could get a hold of him, but I'm telling you, he could throw kicks and punches and all kinds of things. And he was tough. And so I, I stopped messing with him. And I still, Joel, if you're listening, I love you. Uh, I don't want to fight. Um, <laughs> But then we had our, uh, the youngest brother, Jared, and you know Jared, he was here and he helped us as an intern for some time and he's in Nebraska working at the church there with his wife. But Jared was born when I was a freshman in college. I was 19 years old, Jared was born. And so I, you know, I went back, actually I flew back that next month in April and got to see my baby brother. That was very strange being in college and here's my baby brother, you know. And so anyway, and, and Joanna and I, we, we always, we treated Jared probably more like our son when he was little and he was the ring bearer in our wedding. That's a whole other story for another day. But, but Joel, my brother Joel, who is four years younger than I am, so he'd been 15 years older than Jared, Joel took it upon himself as a mission that he didn't want Jared to be a little wimp. With all those girls in the house and being the baby of the family, he didn't want him to be a wimp. So Joel 
started teaching Jared how to wrestle and how to fight. Well, the problem is he's three years old and he's in the nursery. And he thinks, he thinks that he's got to try out all the moves on the kids in the nursery, you know, that Joel had showed him, you know, and so, you know, choke hold and arm bar and all that stuff. And needless to say, that had to stop. And my dad put a stop to all that. But one thing, yeah, yeah, oh man. But one thing my brother Joel taught Jared when they were wrestling, and again, Jared was just real little. But he said, Jared, he said, if you get in a hold and somebody's choking you out or somebody's got you pinned and you, you can't get out, he said, then it's time to tap out. Which is true, I mean, that's what you do in wrestling, right? So you don't die or you don't you know, pass out, you can't breathe, you know, you tap out. Well, the problem is Jared started thinking it through. He's just a little guy. And he would see Joel coming across the room. And before Joel ever touched him, Jared is tapping out. Before he ever laid a finger on him, before he ever got a wrestling move on, he is tapping out. And he'd say it, I tap out, I tap out, I tap out. And we said, Jared, no, you don't tap out, you know, before the fight starts. Come on, man. But I will tell you, I think sometimes in the Christian life, that's what we're doing. We're tapping out way too soon. We're tapping out before we tap into the power of God. We're, we're tapping out before we even tap into the power of prayer. Before we ever get into the word of God. And what we're doing is we are quitting when in reality, it's not time to quit. It's time to stay faithful. It's time to stay determined. In 1968, the Olympics were held in Mexico City. There was a man from Tanzania who went to enter the race, the marathon in the Olympics. His name was John Stephen Aquari. When he got to the marathon in Mexico City and the marathon began, this man began to cramp because of the high altitudes there in Mexico City and because of the training he had. He just, he really wasn't prepared for that. He was a good runner and perhaps may have won the race, but he at least should have been in competition for that race. But after he began to cramp and after he fell, he hurt his knee very badly, dislocated a joint. He landed on his shoulder in a fall in that race and was very, very seriously injured. The race ended, and of course, this runner from Tanzania did not win the race uh, by any stretch of the imagination. They had the medal ceremony, and while they were doing the medal ceremony, word came to the news reporters at the medal ceremony. They said, you need to see what's going on at the finish line. Because this man who had fallen and this man who had injured his knee and dislocated a joint and had, had torn up his shoulder in the race, he got up and he finished the marathon. He finished over an hour after the majority of the runners had finished. He finished while they're already presenting medals to the gold, silver, and bronze, but he finished. The news reporters, they ran to this man and they said, sir, what in the world are you doing? Not only did you not win, you didn't, you didn't even come close and the medals have already been given out. That man answered those reporters there in front of the cameras, in front of the microphone. That man said this, he said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me here to finish the race. And can I tell you, God didn't just save you to start the race. God didn't just save me to start something, but God saved us so that we could finish. 
And God wants us to finish. And that is what Paul said in 2 Timothy. He said, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course and I've kept the faith. And henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. You know what Paul was saying? That crown is not just for him. That crown is for all of us who will run our race and live every day as if this could be the day that Jesus would come back. That will help you finish. When you get up in the morning and you say, Jesus could come back today, that will help you. And that will help me to be determined to run the race. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.